0: listening to A One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast that tells the stories of craft beer in Minnesota and beyond. So kick back, relax, and grab a cold one. The show starts now. Hello, my name is Dan Bobian, and I write, produce, and host A One Pint Stand. I'm incredibly ecstatic that you are listening. This podcast has been a passion project of mine since 2016. This particular episode has been a long time coming, which is pretty apropos, considering the trials and tribulations that Arbiter went through to open their doors. Arbiter Brewing Company quickly became a frequent haunt of mine. I gravitated towards Arbiter for several reasons, but first and foremost, they seem to really embrace diversity and in all facets with their staff uh, with their patronage with their community uh in a way that few other twin cities breweries do their beers are tremendous and they continue to be a place that's tapping into the vibrant culture of their neighborhood in south minneapolis and that makes me incredibly happy i'm just ecstatic to sit down uh, with juno and garth uh, two of the three owners of Arbiter, as well as their head brewer aaron herman to talk about beer and whatever else we decide to touch on. I doubt you will enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed putting this interview together, but I love being proved wrong. So let's head out to our Biter Brewing Room and get to the beer chat. Cheers! Welcome to another on-location episode of A One-Pint Stand. My name is Dan Bobian, and I am your host, and I am so happy to be joined by some of my favorite people who created one of my favorite places. We're at Arbiter Brewing Company in South Minneapolis, and we've got Juno, Garth, and Aaron here. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. I've been wanting to do this for a long while, and I'm glad it finally uh, came together today. Uh, because I'm really excited to hear the Arbiter story and I know that all seven of my listeners will be too, so, uh, <laughs> we're really excited about that. Um, so, before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the Arbiter story and what makes this place uh, run, uh, what, what makes the beers delicious, and what makes the community welcoming, uh, if we could, just everybody, why don't you say your name, what your role is here, and kind of give, like, a little synopsis of your journey uh, into craft beer. Okay. I'll start? Sure. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to
1: have you with us today, Dan. It's awesome. Um, we're uh, I'm definitely tickled to to be chatting with you and doing this podcast with you. So um, I, I appreciate it. It's, I always love chatting with you, and looking forward to what this how this conversation is going to unfold. So, um, yeah, my name is Aaron Herman. I'm the head brewer at Arbiter Brewing. Um, so yeah, I'm responsible for all the beer. From I pull ideas out of my head and I put them in glasses. Essentially, is my role here. Um, I'll try to keep my story of how I ended up here relatively brief, I guess, but I started home brewing in 2010, which is coming up on 13 full years ago now. Wow. Um, I volunteered at Vine Park Brewing, where I met uh, Dan Justison, who will come into my story a little bit later. <laughs> Um, along my journey to get to Arbeiter, um, I worked at Northern Brewer, which is probably the most uh, pivotal brewing decision I made, looking back on things. <laughs> that's where I met uh, the entire Arbiter ownership team, <clears throat> who will be introducing themselves here shortly. Um, <clears throat> and I ended up uh, uh, working at Town Hall starting in May 2012. Uh, I washed growlers and kegs and Filled growlers and kegs for about a oh oops, geez, over a year and a half um, there, just totally grunted my way along, and uh, eventually kind of climbed the ladder when people were leaving. Um, left there just shy of six years. Um, um, after just shy of six years, um, after Garth and Josh had, or after actually after Juno had kind of tapped me and said, I have a couple friends that are looking to open a brewery in Minneapolis, and uh, I guess. Yeah, I kind of felt that I was ready, after talking to Garth and Josh, um, I kind of felt that I was ready to uh, yeah, take on that head brewer role and run run an actual brew house all by myself. Um, and the interim, so there was a little bit of time after I left uh, Town Hall before Arbeiter got up and going. Um, I landed at Utapil's for a brief time, which is uh, owned by, in part, by Dan Justison. so was able to kind of lean on an old friend. Oh, yeah, and, there's that yeah, connection. Yeah, I got a little bit of work there. Um, I was also head brewer of a little brewery called Brickfield Brewing in uh, Grantsburg, Wisconsin, for about a year uh, during that interim phase as well, just okay. to kind of keep my boots on, so to speak. So, um, yeah, and then we started brewing, um, I think batch number one was like late August of 2020 here okay. at, Ar- at Arbiter, and it was an alt beer. <laughs> Yes. So, um,
0: yeah, here we are today. Okay, Garth, how did how did you uh, how did you find your way to the, this uh, merry little group?
2: Yeah, um, I was kind of kicking around after college, and uh, our our partner uh, Josh Voltz who's not here today, was working at Northern Brewer, uh, just in the warehouse. Um, so, yeah, I figured I'd work there as I looked for a. Rack- graphic design job. That's my background, my degree. Um, And it was a really great culture at that time at Northern Brewer. Uh, Everyone was just great. The energy was fantastic. I loved working there. Uh, They created a space for me to do design and marketing. And um, yeah, so I just stayed and uh, was there for about six years. And um, yeah at some point just beyond that, uh, Josh approached me about taking the next step and uh, thinking about starting a brewery so we kind of did some early groundwork and okay. um, yeah we started kind of consulting with Juno and uh, it made sense to made sense to us after about one meeting we're like well, we should really ask Juno if he <laughs> would be uh <laughs> foolish enough to do this with us (laughs) and uh, um, to to our surprise and enjoyment he said yes and uh, yeah we've just kind of been grinding out ever since then and um, yeah that's the that's the short of it
3: okay all right Juno awesome yeah hey Dan Uh, hey everybody Uh, my name is Juno Choi uh, one of the uh, co-founders here over at Arbiter. Uh, my story with beers kind of started uh, back in uh, about 2003 is when I joined Northern Brewer um, and uh, just fell in love with making beer at that time and so stuck there for about 10 years and did a lot of great things and got to know Garth, uh, Josh, and even Aaron during those times and frankly, a lot of other people within the brewing industry. So really a great time to really sort of hone my beer knowledge, ingredient knowledge, and things like that, and connect with a lot of great like-minded people uh, within the industry. And um, after uh, my time there, I uh, ended up working for a company called uh, Brewer Supply Group, or BSG, which is a part of a, a company called Raw Malting and did a little bit of sales and some marketing work for them. And and really what that company is, is they distribute ingredients to breweries all across the country. Um, Also, kind of during that time, back in the Northern Brewer days, I did start a small beer festival company um, doing beer festivals around uh, Minnesota. Uh, Not only in uh, markets like the metro, but focusing in on some lesser known markets like Mankato, St. Cloud. it was all over, St. Cloud and different things. Definitely. So that was also a great time to um, go into these towns and and get to meet everybody that was making great beer there and bring beer to some of these small communities too as well. So um, that was uh, also a, a great time just getting to meet people as well too and, and really uh, Garth kind of uh, talked about it but um, having been friends with those guys and, and knowing Aaron when they came to me and said hey you know uh, we're kind of looking for a brewer uh, I kind of racked my brain for a little bit came to them a little bit of a short list and and Aaron came to mind was really at that top of the list and yeah. uh, um, I guess the rest is the rest is history
0: <laughs> so who because I think this is really interesting I know that like you know, for a long while, the brewery growth in Minnesota um, greatly lagged behind a lot of the other areas in the country. I think some of our laws, uh, well, I mean, the taproom not able to have to sell beer out of a taproom was a was a huge obstacle, and I think really kind of like kept that growth stunted. And that when that became a reality, um, you saw a lot of different things pop up. So. As you're all kind of watching this happen in early 2010s, 2011, the 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 quote unquote surly bill passes. Um, who who first had the idea? Like who was like, hey, you know what? We you know as 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 you've been working kind of at Northern Brewer and BSG and all those things. You you know you go around with your with your um, managing festivals. You were interacting with a lot of different breweries, you know, from the Northern Brewer side, a lot of people in this market came out of Northern Brewer uh, and started their own things. As that's all happening, that energy, when, who was the first one was like, you know what? <laughs> why, why are we selling these kits? Why not? Let's start a thing. How did that, that initial, like, spark go was there were you sitting there because some people i mean every every brewery has a different story some people are like yeah you know we were eight beers in one time we said let's start a brewery and then sometimes it's a much more methodical thing there's charts there's graphs there's blueprints and all sorts of things was it kind of more like hey this this idea has been staring us in the face for the last year or two or was it like no i think we're all kind of building and it was just kind of like We've been talking about it for long enough, let's just take the plunge.
1: Josh had the blueprints,
2: right? Well, I was, before getting into that, I know that Juno had dipped his toe kind of in this before, so maybe.
3: Yeah, well, I will say, you know, being a home brewer, uh, we all have aspirations, you know, and whether or not that turns into reality, we've all sort of thought about that aspect because we found something that we're passionate about. And, you know, maybe we'll turn this into something more. Um, So I did think about that a few different times, kind of like a lot of people did. um, And kind of was approached to be a part of one brewery back in the day. Also was part of, with another fellow, Rob, actually from BBS. We were going to start a brewery back in the day as well, too. Really? Uh, Okay. But through series of events and other things, you know, it just didn't feel right at that time. Yeah. Um, or there were other circumstances that just didn't make it possible. Um, so, frankly, for me, at least personally, it had always been in the back of my head, but I kind of put that off a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I had a, a great time within the beer industry working for Northern Brewer and with BSG. So I kind of... Uh, Kind of put that away for a bit yeah. um, until you know Josh and Garth reached out. Yeah. Uh, before maybe Garth
1: talks about the actual Arbiter origin story or like you know that that vision and stuff. I kind of uh, Juno's story triggered my memory of um, it, pr- almost as soon as I got into homebrew and I kind of quickly realized that I really like the process of making beer and I felt I felt this weird kind of I didn't know. I didn't really know how to like explain it or like understand it at the time, but I felt a connection with it somehow, and I mm. just I felt like I understood it, and I just I wanted to be with beer, <laughs> like from from almost from like it's the, like you've read my dream from, journal, <laughs> yeah, right, almost from like the very essentially from the very first like homebrew kit I ever did, and I found myself even before. Well, that's why I volunteered at Vine Park. Like <clears> that was like I want to get into the beer industry somehow. Um, and I'm willing to volunteer my time in order to yeah. do that, in order to get some experience, to get my toe in the door. So I even, I mean, I have essentially zero business acumen. And I even found myself at one point, like, attempting to start, like, a business plan to start a brewery someday <laughs> back in those, like, yeah, 2011 or so, just because. But I was, yeah, I just, I felt this just kind of crazy
0: connection to making beer, like, from the get-go. So, um Was it, yeah. can, do you... When you say connection, can you pinpoint the moment uh, when it happened? Or was it just kind of like the, you said like from the get-go, yeah. like you start, you grew you well, your first batch and you're like, yeah. wow, this is actually really fun. And it kind of like triggered something in your brain where you're like, sure. this is all so fascinating, I'm, I'm very into it, yeah, totally. I want to learn more.
1: So I mean, I mean it was a, it was an extract kit from Midwest Supply, it was an Amarillo Pale ale. Um, I bought, you know, just, like, a five-gallon, you know, bucket, like, the, this, this chimp, the most basic, you know, starter kit, um, had some friends, help me out on the actual brew day. Uh, the brew day went fine, you know, we were just fretting over every single word along the, you know, in the instructions and stuff to make sure everything was sanitary and all that, um, and then, you know, it fermented, and I bottled it, and then I remember, you um, I was my friends weren't around um on the day when i decided to crack that very first bottle but i'll never forget that i was standing in the kitchen at this house that i was living in with a couple buddies at the time you know the bottle had been in the fridge for a few days so it was a nice cold you know kind of amber colored pale ale and i cracked the bottle and like it opened like a normal beer and i took a swig right out of the bottle and quite literally my knees buckled underneath me i was like oh my god this tastes like Pretty decent, okay beer, and I made it. Like this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea what to expect when I opened that very first bottle. But to my surprise and delight, it was like, wow, this tastes like a pretty decent fine beer, and I made yeah. it. So I was essentially hooked. Like from, and then I mean, I only did I don't know maybe a couple handfuls of extract batches, and I jumped into all grain right away and just. Just uh, the, the the hot side brewing, you know, work making process. I just started to feel a connection with, and I felt like I just understood it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, it's kind of debatable at some point these days, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I guess I can't really pinpoint um, okay. what it is yeah. about the art, like the, the the process of making beer that I'm that I feel this connection to. But I just I enjoy. Maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but as far as like. You know, commercially brewing goes like I enjoy the physical labor, I enjoy like the I enjoy the science of it, I enjoy the artistry of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of components it exercises, a lot of different aspects of the of my brain. Um so yeah, Garth, that's... did
0: you ever homebrew?
2: Uh yeah, I did. Um you know, I, I kinda come at this from a different kind of side of things where design and marketing, but uh yeah, my first Homebrew kit was a uh, an Irish red clone kit in uh, 2000 2001. Um, I did not fret over the instructions about <laughs> to be sanitary, and uh, it, it turned out terrible. And I was like, "Well, I'm never gonna do this again." Um, but then, yeah, fast forward, and I ended up working, you know, in the homebrewing industry and yeah, I was never never that great of a, of a brewer, but I really enjoy the aspects of design and marketing in craft beer because it's just so free and and fun. And that really, for me personally, scratches my itch in this industry as a creative. Is just like you know, there's there's not many industries like the craft beer industry for uh, creative freedom. I mean, it's yeah. really. Just have fun, and um yeah, I don't know that that's kind of what kept me hooked yeah. and wanted me personally to to be involved with this because there's just not a lot of places you can go and have yeah that creative freedom yeah um and and you know i I can't speak for josh, but he 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 was a good home brewer uh could win awards, and I think his aspirations were probably brewing uh yeah. you know much like uh Aaron and Juno. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like to speak to Juno's point, you know, like things were pretty good at Northern Brewer and even though breweries were popping up, like we felt we had like a good thing going there too and we uh, took pride in kind of being an incubator yeah. for these breweries and uh, we, we felt at that time it was just as important uh, as a brewery um, and it really wasn't until there was sort of a uh, cultural shift at Northern Brewer that sort of, like, you know, kind of rattled us all
0: a little yeah. bit. And Was know. that when it sold? Because cause I can't remember what year that was, but it, mm. I remember, like, early on, um, weren't they all kind of, like, individually owned and managed, or was were they always part of a franchise? I know there's one in Milwaukee, uh I'll let Juno speak to the, the origins of, okay. of Northern how
2: that all that went down. But, uh, you know, I think that just real quick, like when that shifted, I think that's when a lot of people were like, oh, this is not going to work for me to be here mm. anymore. Okay. What's next? Yeah. And, yeah. and exactly. And that's kind of how this kind of got sparked was like, Northern's no longer going to be where we're going to stay. So sure. Sure. W- where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, to touch a little bit on on the the northern story, uh, and to say that uh, we'll never you know uh, forget, and uh, I really appreciate the time that uh, we all had there. But uh, I worked there for about ten years, and in that ninth year. Um, we had uh, a lot of uh, venture capitalists looking at northern brew okay, yep. as a business that they wanted to get part of this beer craze this home brewing craze uh, craze that had been going on and uh so really you know in the end uh, uh 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 the owner of Northern Brewer a gentleman named Chris Farley uh, uh did uh partner up with some venture capitalists okay uh, and um you know i think uh, uh to me and maybe to a lot of the other people we just didn't agree with maybe some of the things that they were were doing uh, uh there and so uh personally you know that's why i left yeah. uh, uh, uh there as well but Um, Really, you know, Northern Brewer did have multiple retail locations, uh, uh, which we had a store in Milwaukee. We had a store in Minneapolis as well, too, in addition to the original St. Paul uh, location. So, um, but uh, what had been, like Gar said, uh, we were an incubator for a lot of different breweries that are out here now. And frankly, having worked that original St. Paul location, uh, I got to see a lot of, Uh, all the people that own breweries now. So whether it's the Liftbridge guys, the Fulton guys, um, even Omar back in the day from Surly and stuff like that. Um, People like uh, from Dangerous Man, et cetera. So it was really a special place where a lot of people that had the love of beer and a a love of making it got together. And so that was pretty special. But, um, you know, maybe something, you know, All good things must come to an end a little bit, although I would say, you know, those original venture capitalists are now gone, and they've gone through a different number of hands at Northern Brewer, and uh, I think they've been some really positive people that have taken over the companies in some of those iterations past that, that first venture capitalist, so... Uh, I know a lot of people that still work there, and a lot of people uh, uh, are happy over there. So good, good. Um, we have nothing but uh, a good feelings about Northern Brewer. Well,
0: there's a and there's a lot of places where they don't. There, there isn't a great homebrew store, and I think that's like you never know when the next person who's going to be like inspired by a kit or something like that is gonna come along. And if they don't have access to that, that's really sad. Because I know you can order stuff online, but there is something really fun about walking into Northern Brewer, going into the room where there's the grain and you can like smell it and really have that tactile experience and really see it's like, wow, this is inspiring. Um, I I made my fair share of, they had the, (laughs) their version of Rule, the caribou slobber. I made a lot of caribou (laughs) slobber back in the day. And then, um, yeah, I, I I didn't really get to all grain. Um, I, I was like the very first time I brewed, I was trying to be very meticulous with a friend. Uh, we were we were we were sanitizing everything, re- triple reading, quadruple reading the instructions. We get done everything and we get this little packet of what looks like rabbit pellets I'm like what do you suppose these are for <laughs> and so we let it ferment basically I think I was ahead of my time because it was a uh, it tasted like hard seltzer but not a good hard seltzer it's like well we drank it I'm like there's definitely alcohol in here but I'm not getting it it tastes very strange it doesn't, doesn't taste like anything it was supposed to be like a pale ale and it was, it was a disaster I'm like you know, maybe I'm just cut out to drink it and talk about it and write about it. Uh, I'll I'll leave the making it up to the professionals, but um, I think homebrewing is so interesting. Uh, having been to a couple homebrew cons in the uh, you know over over my time in beer writing, it's like when you go to club night at a homebrew con, really? you're not going to find better beer uh, in a city. And, and there's there's really, I mean, there's something to that. I think you could. I think it'd be just fun to like have a random like competition randomly assign a homebrew club to go toe to toe with a professional brewery and let like people come in and drink and do blind tastings and I, there's a lot of quality homebrewers out there so the oh. fact that they're we have such a, 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 almost an embarrassment of riches when it comes to like access to homebrewing supplies
3: in the Twin Cities is really cool. Definitely. And I think, uh, I I will echo, I've been to a lot of different homebrew cons. I've been there with professional brewers, and we always walk around and try eh, a lot of the different beers. Some are not good, some are good, some are great. Yeah. And I think uh, it's always interesting, you know, a lot of people have, they have the time, they're able to hone their skills. They're really passionate about beer and making beer and frankly they know a lot Uh, you know and you know obviously there there's some things too where you know there's a a a lot of people that tend to think that they know a lot more than they actually do with home brewing but uh, or with beer in general but uh, having been to club night and things like that you'll find a lot of great beer there, a lot of interesting beer as oh, well, yeah. too, because yeah. they don't have, they're not limited by what we'll sell in a tap room. so they're able to spend a lot more money or a lot of creative ideas and wacky things, too, um, to really push the envelope sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So
0: making the transition from talking about opening up a brewery to all of a sudden, all right, we're doing this. Um, from the time that conversation happened to the time that you like sold your first, uh, first beer over-the-counter, I mean, that was a long while. In years, it had to feel exponentially <laughs> longer for you all. Take me through that process and um, maybe were there—I have to imagine there were some points where— you were all like, listen, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe the universe is trying to tell us that this is a bad idea. Um, did it ever get to that point? Or uh, talk me through, like, from, okay, we're going we're gonna to open up this brewery to, you know, selling your first pint over the counter. What was that journey like?
3: Whoa. Well, uh, you know, I'd say I admire anybody that wants to start their own business start their own brewery, uh, frankly, and be an entrepreneur, uh, it's not an easy thing. Uh, There's a lot of sacrifice, uh, both personally and for family and other things like that. So, um, not for the faint-hearted, for sure. Um, And I think, uh, you know, especially if, If you don't come from money, there's a lot of big aspect, too, of just trying to raise a lot of capital uh, to get your loans to get started. So um, really, uh, at least where I came in when Garth and Josh approached me, you know, they already had done uh, a work uh, in terms of uh, thinking about the business and all that sort of stuff. But that was, you know, um, uh, a really part of the whole journey and it's always changing as well, too. What you think you know going in is always going to be different when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. And um, at least I think when we began as as three uh, 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 founders of the brewery and with, with Aaron, our head brewer... Um, it was a long journey and it was, you know, there's quite a few times too where we did think, wow, we got ourselves into uh, a pretty big thing here. The wheels are turning and we're, we're, we're starting to move this thing, but um, there's a lot of obstacles in the way uh, of getting things open. So, you know, I think Maybe, you know, maybe speaking for, for, for Josh and Garth and everybody, but, you know, it probably was a seven-year process, at least from the idea, um, perhaps, to, you know, finally being able to be open. Yeah. Um, and so that just gives people a little bit of some understanding on, you know, how long it does take, um, especially when, you know, you got to do everything yourself to, to get going and, and put everything together. As far as I remember
1: the story going, right, with Garth and Josh had the idea, or Josh, yeah, together, wow. essentially. I forget exactly what that exact origin story is, but as far as I remember, right, there were a couple different kind of, like, um, attempts at, at starting Arbiter before you, before you guys even landed on, you know, where we're at now with, like, this specific space which used to be yeah. Harriet Brewing but yeah and I was gonna I was gonna say' um, from and then, the... and then having myself you know making the beer and Juno on board and everything like
2: yeah I mean it was like anything it started out as an idea and then you know I started working on branding for fun on at night when I came home from work and and then yeah just slowly building a business plan you know and yeah I don't know. I don't know how real we thought it was in the beginning. We're like, well, let's just chip away at the business plan, and you know, so it probably took longer than it had to because we just never done anything like that before. So that took a while. Um, when
0: when you said you, <laughs> it, this just popped into my mind. I'm, I'm yeah. very random, but yeah. like you you said that, and I had this this image of like, you know, in those like, th- those crime shows where the detective is like. <sighs> chain smoking and he's got like imagine like you know your wife waking up coming downstairs and you've got like and the, the the picture window you've got all this yarn and different things and like marker and stuff. I wish like, you were wrong. <laughs> just,
2: I'm not even kidding. I printed out a I don't know must have been like an 18 by 24 map of the Twin Cities and I pinned where when where there was a brewery and then kind of like marking out like how far away we'd be from someone to t- try to figure out a location. Um, you know, eventually that was kind of scrapped because it became uh, to a point where it's just like, where where can we go?
0: You guys, know guys I've got it. Well, the at Atlantis <laughs> Brewing will be underwater. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh,
2: like well, Nakomis. They'll blow their minds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there was there was definitely a little bit of that, and. Um, yeah and like Juno said too like we all we like self funded this there was like a lot of sacrifices that I didn't even make to make this happen and and um, money that fell through and uh, speak of like signs from the universe that it shouldn't happen it was like one after the other government shutdowns yeah. pandemic and yep. civil unrest you know there was yep. like just a lot of things that have been like you know what let's call it yeah you know but instead of looking at it that way because we're kind of stubborn driven people we use these uh uh um what 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 we call it uh not adversary but uh these things challenges uh you know we took that and, and and spun that and and kind of made it who we are now yeah so
0: like well and you have such a great team. I mean, the the level of understanding between ownership and Aaron at that point, you know, I feel like it just had to be let's just get open and then it's it's going to work because, you know, through that time in Minnesota, there were every there were tons of breweries opening and and it was like, yeah, you open a brewery in, a, in that certain window of time, and it's like you were going to be successful no matter what for a while because there wasn't enough competition, and the quality wasn't I, – I would say that the quality was not always equal. It was not always what what you would want. It, not everybody was town hall. For sure. Um, and so, like, I have to imagine that every every time there was a setback, you kind of just like, all right, you know what? We're going to roll with this because – we have the recipe for what will work, you know. And and whereas there's a lot of people that open up a brewery and it's like, you know, sometimes like, oh, all their friends told them their homebrew was good. So open up this brewery and, you know, flush $400,000 down the toilet. Um, (laughs) You didn't have that problem. You had, you know, years of industry experience and know-how from different facets. And I think that as I have gotten to know you all, and I've gotten to understand your 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 own paths to where we're at. Uh, there's so much great perspective and understanding of what works, what doesn't work. There's there's a there's a veteran feel here that that you don't necessarily have at every every brewery you walk into. So I would imagine that that was a that was a big uh, comfort and a way to kind of like, hey, let's 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 work the work the process, work the plan. You know, this is just this is a minor, <laughs> minor setback.
3: <laughs> you're you're too kind, Dan. You're too kind. Even though we did have uh, various experience within uh, different parts of the industry, I will say this was still all of our first time opening up a brewery, and there's a lot that we learned uh, in that process, and. You know, I would say it's nice to have some experience outside of the brewing industry, too, when you do open up a business as well, too, or a brewery as well, too. Um, But with that said, I think we all had uh, fairly good heads on our shoulders here. Um, We were motivated. And having some of that wherewithal uh, to stick through it, knowing that, hey, we just need to get the doors open, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the rest from there. Yeah. Uh, and we'll let some of the beer speak for ourselves. is, is kind of you know uh, the path the, the part of the path that we took. I will say to, to, to talk back to what Garth had mentioned. It was a difficult time just dealing with uh, the government shutdowns. We had a lot of, that caused a lot of delays in terms of just responsiveness and working with the city and a few other things like that. Uh, Things that, you know, sometimes we felt could have been helped, sometimes maybe we understand that they couldn't have been helped in those scenarios. all that time that we spent uh, trying to get the doors opening, that was adding some increased pressure on us as well, too. We had this great location, this great building, uh, this great history here in this neighborhood, but we still had to pay rent during those times that we were trying to get open. And yeah. that was, frankly, one of the biggest things, I think, for us was being having this building and having all those, uh, expenses of having the building yet not producing anything in order to generate any income. So for a while we were seeing some of our money that we had, uh, got invested and we had built in and put in, uh, slowly depleting. And so it was getting kind of scary there for a while, um, as that happened. And then, um, Things like the pandemic as well, too. Obviously, that put a little bit of a damper on everything as well. And also, I would say, our our opening, right? Uh, You know, you you'd mentioned, hey, we opened up in uh, what I really say is, is what, December of 2020. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were dealing with, you know, uh, the lockdown of things with COVID here. Uh, we never got a true grand opening. We right. never did a soft opening, had our friends and family, all in industry stuff like that. Uh, so that big influx of potential money coming in right away when we opened wasn't there too. Yeah. So it was kind of like, yay, we're open, but... You can only have five people in the brewery right. for for right. to-go beer at a time. Can't even, can't even play sorry. Um, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah. So uh, it's, I'll just say it's it's been a ride. It was a, quite, a, quite a big ride getting open. Yeah. A lot of emotions, stuff happening even personally with our own lives and families and stuff like that, yeah. which adds on to some of the complexity. Um, but we made it. You know, so, uh, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a difficult journey, I would say. Yeah. Now, Uh, oh, oh, go ahead.
2: (laughs) Sorry. Well, uh, speaking to another point, too, uh, that you had made, uh, we knew that we wouldn't be able to just be like some homebrewers opening up a brewery and, like, hoping to survive. We knew that we needed to hit the ground running with excellent beer, which is why we wanted to find a brewer that had experience um and any brewer that's come under the tutelage of mr hoops has been solid so i mean that's just a huge i mean talk about an incubator i mean seriously and i mean aaron's just an awesome person in general but also to have
0: the hoops aspect of that we knew that we would have a solid product out of the gate yeah um, I want to talk about the location. Obviously, if you're listening to this, and again, if you're just joining us, we're at Arbiter Brewing Company in South Minneapolis. I'm talking with Juno, Garth, and Aaron. Um, this is the second brewery to inhabit this footprint. And the first brewery was Harriet Brewing. And I think if you are uh, knowledgeable about the craft beer history in Minnesota, uh, you know about Harriet. There's been a lot of people who got their start in one way or another at Harriet Brewing. So um, this is kind of craft beer hallowed ground. This location, um, and I think was this? Did you had you looked? I'm assuming. I mean, you you had your map of the underground Twin Cities and where you could do a a pop up manhole brewery. Um, what were <laughs> what were some of the other uh, spots? you were entertaining uh when you when you did did you immediately think well we want to be in minneapolis or were you looking at st paul were you looking outside the metro we were entertaining
2: uh minneapolis and st paul for sure okay um yes yeah, um other locations uh there was a a indoor soccer complex across the street from wild Mines that we were very interested in uh that we kind of put some time into figuring out if we could obtain that space. Uh, Ultimately, they wanted to keep it as an indoor soccer facility. Um, Yeah, uh, another place that we kind of went down the road on a little bit was uh, kind of by Insight, kind of by the U of M uh, uh, Reuse Center, a a building back in there. Turned out it was just like too big. We didn't know what to do with all that square footage, uh, which is funny now. It's like, just make a cooler half the size of that and you're good um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, lessons learned <laughs> yeah I mean we looked at so many locations I guess yeah. but um, the reason that we, we, we came here is I reached out to an organization called the Lake Street Council I was like hey we like Longfellow, we like Lake Street we like this community have you heard of any available buildings that might be able to house a brewery um, they got back to me um, they said, well, yeah, the building that was the former Harriet uh, brewing is available. And I said, absolutely not. Thank you. <laughs> let me let me know if you find something else. And then uh, they, I'm serious, and I, I didn't want to, there's just, you know, there's just bad vibes of opening a business where something has already existed and failed. Like, yeah. you're just like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, they reached back out to me, I don't know, like a month or so later, and they're like, we think you should reconsider this. Like, Meet the landlords. Like, Just have a conversation, then make your decision. Yeah. So they like, got back to me about it. And I was like, okay, well, if they're going like, to reach out back to me, let's, let's do this. So we talked to our landlords who, speaking of the challenges of like, paying rent, getting open, I mean, our landlords, you couldn't ask for uh, better people. I mean, they've, they've been so incredibly supportive in, in so many ways. That's that, wonderful. Um, if it, if it wasn't for them, we honestly probably would not be here right now. So uh, hats off to them. Like, nice. they've been our biggest supporters, honestly. Uh, we, we met them, and we aligned, uh, like, politically off the bat. You know, they're uh, very, I, I you know, um, open-minded, uh, inclusive people that own this building, and... Uh, it was more of an interview on us yeah you know like yeah. what what kind of humans are you and um you know and we aligned on everything and um you know and they were like well let's take a look at the space and you know kind of talked it out and uh you know we decided that this would be a good place and people miss to this day miss harriet and we'll yeah. come in here and be like Man, Harriet was awesome. This looks way better. The beer is way better, but we miss Harriet, you <laughs> yeah, know, because yeah. there was, they had something special that no brewery is gonna be able to recapture.
0: Yeah, there like, was a, there, there was a definite romanticism about Harriet. Yeah, and and there was just like a feel and a vibe, and I think, you know, they they had their their own journey of ups and downs, but like I think a lot of people really do look back fondly on on those days for for what it meant because it like kind of ushered in like the new age of craft beer in minnesota yeah they were ahead of their time in, in a lot of regards yeah I'd yeah. Say. yeah hey thank you so much for listening hopefully you're enjoying a one pint stand my aim is to help spread the word about craft beer enjoying craft beer is a passion of mine and i love chatting about it with other people a one pint stand has a goal of helping breweries tell their stories I love to get out in and beyond Minnesota to visit breweries, beer bars, and meet other interesting beer people. If you are also into those things, you probably want to keep tabs on the show. So go ahead and follow A One Pint Stand on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We would also appreciate any and all positive reviews on Spotify and iTunes to help make it easier for other craft beer listeners to find us. If you like reading about craft beer, I started my own blog and all of my writing can be found at aonepintstand.com. After eight years of writing as editor-in-chief at Beer Ploma, it was time for me to start my own blog. So make sure you check out the blog for some interesting craft beer content of the written variety. I truly appreciate you listening and taking time to enjoy our stories. Now, back to the show. You got this space, you got things, uh, you know, you're, you're working through getting open. Um, when did you know that Aaron was the man? <laughs> For the man with the mash paddle. <laughs>
1: there
0: well, um, yeah, again,
1: Juno had come to me at one point. I think it was like, man, maybe sometime in like 2017 even. And he was like, I know a couple guys that are looking to open a brewery in Minneapolis. Um, I mean, at that point, I kind of thought I was a lifer at Town Hall, to be quite honest. Like, yeah. uh, in certain ways, well, in, in more than just a few certain ways, uh, Mike Hoops was indeed kind of grooming me to potentially take over for him one day because, you know, he's been in the industry. Even at that point, what, six-ish years ago, he had already been at Town Hall for about 20 years. Yep, and yeah. yep. So... Um, Yeah, so I didn't really think I was probably ever going to leave Town Hall, but it was all... Yeah, Juno had kind of, I guess, had had confidence in me, and like I said before, just the one conversation with Josh and Garth, everything just kind of felt right, and I felt like I was ready for it. Um, For me, it was a big decision, you know, again, because at that point, I thought I was probably going to stay at Town Hall for a long time, so I had reached out to a close friend of mine, Tom Shuffman, who's the head brewer well, oh, at yeah. that time was the head brewer at Waconia who I met at, or not at met. I met him before I even started homebrewing through disc golf, but we, Tom and I worked together at Northern Brewer um, and had gone, you know, onto you know, uh, commercial paths you know, individually and stuff so I uh, I leaned on him a little bit, just asked him, asked him some advice um, <clears throat> as far as what his experience was uh, leaving Fulton and to start Waconia Brewing and because uh, I would be would have I was considering doing something similar. So yeah. I talked to him and then I actually reached back out to Juno, <laughs> and uh, we went out to dinner at Maslax one night. And um, the way I remember it, at least, was uh, at the end of the dinner, he said something to the effect of, well, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I think you should go for it. <laughs> And then um, it was kind of, I think, shortly after that or about the same time when Juno decided to um, kind of sign on as a founding owner with Josh and Garth as well. So at least the way I like to phrase the story is Juno and I convinced each other to join Garth and Josh. Nice. Uh, But um, so, yeah, I don't know. There was just kind of something within me that kind of just felt natural. It felt right to make that kind of big decision for me to leave Town Hall, to do my own thing, to you know, figure out what kind of brewer I'm capable of being. Um, so at least that's, that's, that's when I knew I was the man, the man with the yeah. mash
0: paddle yeah. Uh, yeah. from my
1: own perspective, but.
0: So talk to yeah. me about the beers here because okay. at town hall, they do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they do traditional styles, seasonally appropriate styles. The, you know, I like to. I don't believe in the, you know, September through uh, August. I like to go by. I know it's fall because that's when the, the Oktoberfest is on. I know it's winter because that's when the uh, mm-hmm. the Elf's Elixir is on. You know, Totally, so yeah, yeah. Uh, some people we trust the calendar. On Elixir. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're well, playing the deep cuts here yeah, at One Bite. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, the porter, the porter. So, <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so you 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 had. A plethora of, of styles totally. that you had to brew. Yeah. yeah. Um, since you. Got to brew. Got to brew, yes, right, exactly. <laughs> it, it, absolutely, right. No, wasn't it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, well said. No, you, you're right. Um, you're right. I had to brew those beers. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like well, people are still thirsty, man. Um, so, as you were kind of like tossing around ideas about what types of things you were going to have on tap, um, what kind of like what resonated with you or what you, you know, I think everybody, uh, brewers that I've talked to, I don't think you like immediately in your first job, like you said, figure out what type of brewer you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think there's always beers that brewers want to brew, mm-hmm. whether or not, in a under the, uh, umbrella of a professional setting, yeah. those, those don't always make sense. Like, right. like I want to <laughs> do yeah. all raw beer all the time. It's like, yeah, right, well, right. okay. Yeah. Uh, market says yeah, otherwise, but totally. like, how did you kind of start to formulate a plan of like what the tap list was going to look like? Sure. Uh,
1: well with kind of God, Josh and Garth's, uh, image of what Arbiter, what they wanted Arbiter, Arbiter to be. Um, At least, like, aesthetically, they were thinking kind of German beer hall meets, like, up-north dive bar. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, and Arbeiter, of course, it's, uh, I'm not sure if we touched on this earlier or not, but the word Arbeiter is a German word for worker or laborer. Yep. So, we kind of have, like, a a little bit of, like, you know, working man's beer, like a blue-collar, you know, like, you know, come in and, you know, have a couple beers after, you know, a day of, you know, good labor work or or what have you. So, um Let's see. So with the German name, you know, we knew we were gonna have like a bit of a ger- at least a bit of a German influence to at least some of the portfolio. Yeah. Um, and then in thinking about Thanks, Juno. In thinking about um, oh, thank this, you. Is, this is the Lawn darts, by the way, Ooh, Dortmunder.
0: Hey. Speaking of uh yeah. Organ Man's beer, exactly, cheers. right? Yeah, cheers. Um,
1: I kind of started coming up with a bit of an idea, and it wasn't—I'm sure it wasn't original—but I kind of coined a term, at least in my own mind, uh, Bavarian.
0: <laughs> you Which... know, th- I have the same thing tattooed on my lower oh, back. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. In old English, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yes, yeah, uh-huh.
0: like the Detroit Tigers font. Yeah, exactly. Bavarian. Bavarian,
1: yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it wasn't anything, like, totally extraordinary, but, like, I was thinking, like, let's make American styles with German ingredients. Yeah. Um, and the only one that's kind of really stuck um, as far as that goes is the West Coast IPA, which is our sure. house, house IPA. So it is an American-styled IPA made with all German ingredients, um, from the malt to the hops to the yeast. Yeah. Um, Let's see. But beyond, I mean, that, um, my focus on brewing has always just been quality, which, of course, I learned from Town Hall. Um, Coming out of Town Hall, I felt uh, I was never really intimidated by any beer style per se. Um, I was able to, because I had to make all those beers, (laughs) I was able to learn. It
0: makes it sound like you were, like, uh, you know, chained to a kettle, (laughs) like, brew more. Sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) mentally
1: at least, sometimes I was. (laughs) I still am, actually, but... um, for better or for worse <laughs> um, but no yeah i got to use a lot of different yeast yeast strains um so i felt like i had to at least uh oh nice doubling down oh on the boy beers. here we go heck yeah
0: <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah uh, we, we better
1: have a lot to say here quite a lineup
0: <laughs> 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 get a picture of this <laughs> no one's going to believe me that this happened <laughs> so both
1: garth and juno got up to get beers while i was babbling about beer and uh we have more beers than we know what to do with at the moment so I mean, I have an idea
0: of what we can do. Well, yeah, fair, fair. This is not my first rodeo. Uh All right. (laughs) I didn't wear my comfy Uh pants for nothing. (laughs) Giddy giddy up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so quality
1: and not really uh, having, I guess, at least a little confidence and feeling that I could probably tackle almost any sort of style. Um, And then once we got kind of up and running... It was, uh, you know, from a yeast management perspective, it was like, well, you know, we need a lager strain because we want to make lager beers. Um, we need to have, like, a German ale strain because of the whole Bavarian thing. <laughs> yes. And then uh, uh, we kind of briefly used an English ale strain to make, like, more kind of, quote-unquote, traditional American styles. Yeah. <clears throat> um. There are four fermenters and four bright tanks down there in our little 10-barrel brewery, so it was really tough to juggle three yeast strains at all times. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we let the uh, English ale strain go, and now we're just using um, in, uh, a lager strain and a, and a German ale strain. Okay. So I make pretty much all my beer. I mean, we'll bring in an occasional, um, you know, guest strain to make an imperial stout, for example, yeah. or, or, you know, a very, you know, southern German Hefeweizen. Um, so, but... I don't know, kind of babbling on here. But, yeah, I think uh, my approach to brewing and the beers is it's all about quality, yeah, really. And um, it's been fun to kind of explore German beer styles because I wasn't necessarily all that well-versed. I mean, Town Hall was a little bit more of like an English, um, you know, beer-style history to them. Yeah, um, You know, using an English yeast strain and making more, like, kind of porters and, uh, you know, kind of maybe pre- 2010 style, like American style yeah, they're and really... IPAs and stuff, so they were kind of leaning more into that whereas when we got going here with Arbeiter uh, we're in the age of hazies and um, you know crispy boys and stuff, so it's like, well we gotta lean into that, at least to some degree yeah um, so, thus the, you know kind of, well, and once we did get going too, um lo and behold, I mean I guess for, yeah, I kind of discovered that I've, I'm a fairly decent lager brewer, which is very rewarding to, to to see, to be honest. Um, so we've been leaning into that, um, you know, leaning into a little bit of the, you know, the the new style cold IPA, which is super fun to make. Um, you know, doing barrel age stuff. Of course I, definitely learned a thing or two about putting beer in the uh, from I know from I speak Hoops, for all so. of the
0: uh, <laughs> partaking Twin Cities where, when I say thank you. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you for, for doing um, that, bringing that element. You're uh, welcome, Megan. Element you can thank Mike in, Hoops yeah, for and, and and essentially, almost yes. I being one of
1: the early pioneers, oh, yeah, quite literally, of barrel sure. aging beers in the entire country. Yeah, he won a medal in I think the year 2000. Yep, for a barrel aged imperial stout. Yep, and that was that was uh it was in specialty the, a specialty beer category. Right, it wasn't even a wood aged beer category. Well, the next the following year there was they had to. Or was, or was they, it well because
0: I think that beer was like okay we need to have this category because okay. this is a thing now.
1: Yeah, so I, I wasn't sure when they initiate when they created that uh, category, but yeah. I knew that he won a medal before there was even a wood aged yep. category. So. Yeah, which I think yeah. is pretty special. Oh, that, very, that, special. Really yeah. awesome. <laughs> very special. That's really awesome. Very special. Yeah. So, and I was fortunate enough to learn, you know, a few things about barrel-aging beers from, from him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So keep your eyes open for barrel-aged beers coming out of Arbiter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes.
0: Very good. So, um, you know, I think a lot of, you know, you opened up this, this brewery in an interesting time um, because drinking habits have really evolved. Over the years, and I, I would say that like the advent of the whole New England style IPA uh, set off uh, such a fervor amongst craft beer drinkers. And uh, yes, that's a. That. I was like uh, thesaurus.com <laughs> What's an, what's an intelligent way to say excited? <laughs> um, you know, back in I don't know. I think it, I think it was Alchemist, right? Yeah. Uh, that that they they were doing. As legend has it, you know they were they were doing uh, heavily dry-hopped IPAs, uh, using a lot of uh, En Vogue hops that were more on the kind of juicy tropical side. Not so much the tongue-splitting uh, bittering IPAs of the of the early 2000s, of more of the West Coast styles. Um, and you know they have a thing that like <laughs> on the cans, like drink this from the can, and everybody really liked it and and i i know some people out there say that like well the, the reason they were saying that is because it looked atrocious it looked basically like you were you know pouring you know juice uh <laughs> orange juice concentrate into a pint glass uh so yeah just just drink it from the can that's fine um but that became a huge deal um so obviously it that every the demand i mean the 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 public drinker drives the demand of what you you could you can have your your uh your druthers about what you want to brew but really you just have to do what the people want um, and I think. Early on in everybody's craft beer uh, history, you know, they, they sample different styles, but everybody kind of lands on the styles that they really gravitate towards. But like, I think that was a big shift, and since then, so uh, you know, 2015, 2016, thereabouts, when those started to become really in vogue, um, a lot of breweries are doing those, and now you see, like, you can walk into some uh, some really popular uh, breweries and find five or six different hazy ipas whereas i i kind of got into craft beer in like 2006 2007 you'd walk into a place you'd have like an amber ale a brown ale a pale ale ipa you know a, a, a breadth of styles and now it's like well places are hyper focusing on these beers which by the way are not cheap to make when you're Dry hopping with a metric butt ton of uh, sexy hops that are, yeah. <laughs> you know, hops shipped are in expensive. from yeah. New Zealand yeah. and exactly. you know, massaged by unicorns in a lab. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's you know, that, that's pricey. So are now hiring unicorns. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> um, and and so your tap list when you open, I thought had a a lot of really great found one. really great options for everybody. Um, you have you know, kind of like. Uh, everyday person beer. You know, you've got like the, the, the Pilsners, the, the alt beer, um, the kind of like things that aren't going to scare anybody if they're new to craft beer away. You have the hoppy beers, you have the hazy IPAs, you have sours, and you have like every now and then, uh, I mean, the, the Rider knocked right that was the beer when I came in and tried I'm like oh wow this is fantastic um, thanks for saying so that. so you you have you have the beers that that the um, I call them the beer people you know the the the, 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 the Hayes boys that they want to drink but then you also have like beers that really tickle the fancy of the traditional drinker um, I love it I love all of it I love it when exactly. you when you come up with uh, some of the the collabs in the uh, the lager what it uh, collaborative Lager collaborative series. Collaborative vlogger series. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've done with
3: Uta uh, Pills, Jay Smarty. Yeah, Eric Harper at Uta Pills. Uh, we did also with uh, Nico yeah, Talks of yep, Fair Niko, State. Yep.
0: yep. So that, that's been kind of like a fun series. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you have your, your barrel aged beers, uh, the anniversary week beers. Uh, a fantastic variety of different styles mm-hmm. and flavors and kind of like you get a little bit of uh, kind of like fuse some different styles together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of fun variety. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously, Juno, with your background in, at BSG and, and understanding like quality ingredients and the importance of that, you know, pairing that up with Aaron's mentality of quality above all else You're all putting out some wonderful beers. I
3: think, uh, you know, we're rooted in tradition, but we have a lot of experimentation going on. We're open for everything. And frankly, I think, uh, you know, we opened a brewery with 18 tap lines and we all like a little bit of variety. We're true beer lovers. We like different styles. We like variety. And so we want to emulate what we hope to see in uh, our our place as well, too. So uh, it's been great the having Aaron's ability to do a wide range of styles really well, and even some styles that, uh, you know, he didn't know so well. He's leaned into learning those as well, too, because we do want to be... Uh, have a lot of variety and be a, sort of a well-rounded brewery as well, too. Yes, we make great lagers. Yes, we're doing cool things with experimental hops and experimental styles and things <laughs> like that. Uh, but, um, you know, we're true beer lovers at heart, and so we want to drink everything, yeah. frankly. A lot yeah. of times these days, we're, we're fighting over what beers we're going to actually make because we only have so much capacity Um, but because there's so many great styles of beers out there. And yes, we do. uh, Dan, you were talking about Hazy's and, you know, uh, uh, those are very important. That's been very good for the craft beer industry in terms of business and responding to what consumers want. Um, But also, too, we have to make sure that We have to give consumers what we want, but we have to have a point of view. Otherwise, we all become the same. Right. And I think, uh, uh, you know, having a point of view, having some individuality, really makes uh, the landscape of the beer scene, at least locally, Uh, better for everybody yeah yeah now that's a good segue
0: into uh the next thing that i wanted to talk about is you're you're talking about identity and obviously one way that a brewery can show their identity is through the beers that they produce but also i think we can all agree that uh, a really good brewery is a brewery that you walk into and it just has a feel uh it has a, a a positive vibe um i've been in breweries where like i don't I don't get the feel. I, I don't get the. I call, I call my craft beer Spidey sense. Uh, like when when I walk into a place, sometimes my, my craft beer Spidey sense of it doesn't really do much, and I'm like, wait, something's missing here. But like, there there is definitely a feel here that is unique, um, and I mean, I think I'm just I'm just guessing here, and you're you're gonna correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think it starts with the people uh, your staff is uh, among um, the best in in this in this industry in this state um, uh, you have wonderful people who understand what it means to be welcoming uh, you have a staff that understand what it means to be you know patient um, I think a lot of people in, in beer they get a lot of folks coming in it's like well what do you have that's closest to Coors Light? You know, and, and, and there's some breweries that where, like, the staff just, like, kind of turns their nose up at that. And that's really unfortunate because, uh, you know, everybody works really hard for their money. Um, and, you know, if you're going to come in and, and <laughs> you know, pay for beer uh, and you're going to be kind of, like, disrespected or kind of like, oh, you don't know about that. I'm going to lord this knowledge over you. That's not a positive experience. And most people won't be back. But I think I've seen it. I've seen your staff be very patient and like talk people through, well, what do you like? And that's, a, that's always a great thing. Like, where, where are you at? And so I, so I know what beer I can get for you. Your staff does a wonderful job with that. Um, I've, every time I come in, it's just nice to see friendly faces um, and faces that don't all look the same. Uh, I think that in, and I go to a lot of different breweries And I don't always see a diverse staff. Um, And I'm not just talking about in one level. It's not just just bartenders, not just, like, everybody. Every level of Arbiter has diversity. And, And with that comes a richness of experience, perspective, and I applaud that. I think that is a wonderful thing, and I think it's very special. And I think that adds to... The, the feel of this place. I love the artwork on the walls. I love the different colors. I think this is a very welcoming space to be. Um, that's Th- not by accident.
3: No, and thank you for that, Dan. I think uh, you know it feels good when we get some of that validated through our patrons, from you. Uh, we try to be as intentional as possible whenever we can. And I think uh, you know everything from our staff. Uh, luckily, you know when we first started, we had some friends and some people that we had known through the industry um, that we uh, were excited that we were going to be open and uh, we're excited to be at a place. Um, and so we were very fortunate to have a lot of people that had been in the industry, uh, seasoned people. We also had a, a new people as well too. Um, and so, you know, that was a big thing with uh, uh, the welcoming atmosphere. Obviously, the people that are serving your beer are the, your face to the public. And so we can't uh, uh, be happier with the staff that we've had. And so we've been very fortunate and we've been very lucky for that. And we've also been intentional with that. And I think the feel that, you know, the whole team uh, has tried to bring in here is, Authentic as as we can be, and so hopefully that has translated into a feeling of of welcomeness. Um, To speak to one aspect too, in terms of diversity or inclusivity, um, you know, for the the listeners out there, I'm a person of color, uh, been so in the beer industry for for a long time, and um, you know, I think. Uh, this has been a personal point of p- pride being here in this brewery being somebody that's visible um, because I do believe representation matters it absolutely and does. when you talked earlier about seeing uh, a little bit more of diverse patrons in here that's been really something that's been special to me um, and I know special to everybody else that's a part of our Arbiter um, and I think uh, we're also part of our community, which is a diverse community, and we want to emulate that as best as possible, too, and so I think, you know, being intentional with that as much as possible and and trying to do our best um, is seen and feeling when you come in here and there's uh, a feeling of of welcomeness and, and things like that. Always things more things to work on. Always things that we need to do for outreach. You know, we always want to try to get people that aren't necessarily craft beer uh, fanatics to come in, people from our community. And so we're still working on ways that we can uh, best do that.
0: And I like that because I think it's... it's, There isn't like a... I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, it's... You want to connect with people. You want to make people feel welcome and that is a lot of times easier said than done so trying different things but having the commitment to that and not only like talking the talk but walking the walk i think that's very 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 important um and i think that there's like you know you all have done uh, a lot of cool things but i think like with everybody like there's room for for growth and improvement with that and but just like understanding that that is like important is is a big deal, yeah, for me as just a, as just a human, just another human. Definitely, uh, I take away the the craft beer part of it, but I just, I mean, it's it's just it means a lot to me uh, as a, as a person of color to come into a space where like I'm not the only. Mm-hmm. That, that that's huge. There's a lot of times where that's like always been the case. Yeah, and 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 this is always one place that I know I'm not going to have that experience. I'm going to feel like okay. There's others. I'm. I'm not just. You know. Yeah. And, and that. I. I. It's hard to articulate what that means, but it. It means a hell of a lot.
3: Definitely. I've. I've. You know, being a person with color myself, walking and, you know, through my experiences working in, in within the beer industry, getting to travel east coast, west coast, north south, seeing a lot of tap rooms, seeing a lot of places. Sometimes I catch myself in here being like, wow, well, this is. Uh, something pretty special that we have that we're building. Yes, there should be more happening everywhere yeah. else, um, but I definitely feel proud about that. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is some intentionality as well, too. If you tend to look at the people that we have worked with as a company whether it's uh to all of the food vendors and food trucks and people that we work with or to some of the artists and makers that we deal with with artists we want to be intentional with that because that matters to us um i know that i want to put my dollars into a place that i can feel comfortable with or aligned with uh, uh on a on a personal level. So, um, I think it's also um I'm glad that you feel welcome and yep. and, and, and have a positive uh thing with this space and it, you know frankly part of that also helps us keep going knowing that, you know, we're we're putting a little bit of, of uh, uh money where our mouth is and yep. we want to be part of a community and frankly we want to be intentional with our business. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great.
0: Um so you know we're at year. Okay, so you opened in December of 2020. You're two and a half mm-hmm. years in. Mm-hmm. Um, what? What's the biggest lesson that you've learned uh, about like running a craft brewery? What's the, What's the thing like if somebody came in here tomorrow and was like, "Hey, uh, I want to start a brewery. What's the What's the best?" One single piece of advice you would give anybody who is considering this this road fraught with peril and uh, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff.
3: You know, I would say, uh, be prepared for challenges. Yeah. Be prepared to challenge yourself. Yeah. Uh, as much as we think we know. Uh, we don't know everything, and I think we have to be compassionate. We have to be listeners. Um, because when you start a business, you're working with other individuals, you're working with other people, um, and so you're bonded in that way, and so it's very important that, uh, in order, I think, to, to be successful, you have to listen to each other, uh, you have to deal with all the struggles, because everything won't be easy, um, but you have to be open to uh, acknowledging that maybe you're not always right, and other people have very valid things to say and uh, other thoughts. And so I think you really have to take a approach where I didn't start this brewery, we started this brewery or we're this brewery. So it's a collective. So you kind of have to check your ego a lot of times at the door um, in order to make sure that collectively the place is going to be the best that it can. Yeah, yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, One thing I wanted to talk about is like, there's a lot of really awesome art on your walls and as I was walking in there's a dude up on a (laughs) he must not be afraid of heights he's on a whatever those a lift lift, a scissor lift uh, doing an amazing mural outside Um, talk to me about uh, some of the artwork how did those how did you decide um, who to have uh, featured on your walls um I think it it definitely adds a lot of character, um, a lot of uh, literal color uh, to the walls and brightens up the the place. But I, I just think it's so wonderful. I've always been uh, my mom was a was an artist and she taught art, and so like I love art. Art is. You know, having a painting up or something that somebody kind of puts their creative energy into uh, is really special to me. So I, I love the fact that you've got so much of it. What was the what was kind of like the story behind that?
2: Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of uh, research of uh, artists out there and uh, their style, their aesthetic. And... Um, Also, it's kind of messaging in a way too, you know, like what, when you talk about the artists on your wall, like who are you talking about, you know, and um, I think that all kind of factors in who we've decided uh, to to be our artists. Um, Most of them have been identified by myself, and then I bring it to the team, like, hey, I think this artist is awesome, this is what they're about, this is their style. How do we feel? Are we on the same page? Um, so that's kind of been uh, the factor. And then going back to uh, intentionality too. You know, making yeah. making sure the artists are living in our community, are a part of our community, uh, represent inclusivity, represent diversity. Like it's just you know that's all part of the je ne sais qua of what we've been talking about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just making making sure that, yeah, it it reflects uh, a bigger community yeah. than just beer swilling nerds, you know. But <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, so the muralist, by the way, plug to uh, Filippo. Uh, Filippo was here. Is his uh, Instagram handle and. Uh, we were able to secure a grant from the Lake Street Council, and uh, and get Filippo on board. He's got an art studio in the Northrop King Building in uh, Northeast Minneapolis. Huge project. I mean, it's a giant south-facing, twenty foot high by a 100- hundred. Feet long mural and uh, it's incredible. I mean, so, it
0: literally is the side of the building. The yeah, that's crazy. And, and if you haven't building, been
2: yeah. to to Arbiter and you love murals, uh, get your buns down here because yeah. you will be uh, blown away. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, Filippo P H I L I P O. Okay. As well, awesome. Filippo was here. All right. Last question. What about Arbiter? Are you most proud of? I want to hear from each of you because uh, I mean, maybe it's maybe the answers are going to be the same. Maybe they're going to be different.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I'm proud of this, the the whole thing that we've been able to accomplish so far, like as a team. I mean, kind of going back to you know gutting it out in those early days and you know before we were open and. Um, dealing with you know the uh, you know the the permitting process that felt like it took forever and even before that the fundraising process that felt like it took forever and um, and then once the build-out started and COVID hit I mean, just going back to all that and just being like like having the belief in each other that we can get to this point where we're at now and even sitting where we're at now having the excitement to. you know, look forward to what we're still capable of and, you know, what we can, you know, how how much we can, how much more we can still grow and stuff. Like, it's just the fact that we all had so much, I guess, faith and confidence and trust in each other to get us to where we, to get us to this point is what I'm super proud of. I mean... Speaking, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 of course, I'm proud of the beer.
0: Like, I can't not say that. Uh, Garth, how about you? What What are you most uh, proud of? Ha-ha pills. <laughs>
1: yeah. no? There
2: it is. <laughs> I mean, I think Aaron nailed it. I mean, and it was brought up earlier in the interview, too. I mean, there's just, I don't know. The challenges are never-ending, and uh, to to be <laughs> able to... To try to work through that and, and communicate and push on, while still uh, creating like an amazing space, uh, you know, I—it's just all of it, you know. Uh, you know, it'd probably be easier to be like, what are you not proud of? Which I guess I don't really have a ton there either. But I
0: mean, it's just maybe the ash hat who stole the. Bathroom art the other yeah, day. Quit. What in the hell? Okay, that's. One I know thing.
2: you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, because it's a bunch of unsavory one figures. Of the seven of you, you asshats.
0: But, bring back the needle point.
2: Um, quit, quit stealing.
0: Yeah. Um, now this is really weird. This is gonna sound odd. Okay. But like, I. It was you. I damn. No, it wasn't. It. But I hope it's because every time I'm here, I always try to pee in the same bathroom. And if I walk in there today. And that's the stall. I'm going to be out for blood. I've got a sock full of Kiwis in the car, and I'm going to go vigilante (laughs) justice on whichever one of you seven bums listening took that needle point off the wall because that is unacceptable. Uh, Anyhow, go ahead.
2: Well, well, Dan, I'm I'm dying to know, and I'm sure seven listeners are dying to know which stall is it?
0: Okay, so it's as you're walking down, you take a first left, it's the middle one. Oh, okay.
2: That's the last one that got stolen. Oh, really? yep oh, no. it said what? it said oh crap yes yeah that's gone <laughs> that was the one unbelievable yeah um, no I is... just I'm, yeah I'm just proud of uh all the staff and the crew here and uh everyone's on the same page just to like keep propelling us into uh uh a great great space you know everyone's yeah. everyone's uh it's the same mission in mind so that's yeah. that's amazing
0: Last but not least, Juno.
3: Well, definitely echo what uh, both uh, uh, Aaron and and Garth said, but uh, I'll also add to that, too. I think uh, one of the things I'm most proud about is how we've been able to be a part of our community here. Um, Obviously, we uh, lie in a unique space with uh, the remnants of the third precinct here, so there's been a lot of trauma in this neighborhood, this neighborhood is very community focused, and so I'm pretty proud of how we've been able to be a part of that community uh, as one of the anchor businesses that are along Minnehaha. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a rise to the challenge in terms of being uh, one of those leaders within the 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 the, the community, and so. I know that I'm pretty happy with with what we've done so far and how we've been interacting with our community. Um, plenty of more room to grow with that, but uh, I would say is that uh, proud to you know very proud that we're we're part of this community and that we're trying to do our best to uh, reflect our community as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, and I, I would echo all the things that you've said. Um, I'm I've been really happy to see. Um, this place open and see what it's kind of evolved into and i'm excited to see what it's going to continue to evolve into i think that that's the amazing thing about craft beer is it it changes and and places change Um, but i think that my hope is that the constant uh through all that will be that like desire uh to put forth quality beer to have quality staff and to have quality engagement with the community, I think that's really
3: important. So Def- um, definitely, I will add. You know, it's been great to have a business with a purpose. You, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. So, yeah. um, I would love to see more of that with businesses out there and I know that I will spend my dollars with businesses that are like-minded like that.
0: Oh yeah that I mean that's a big thing right now and you know I think there's a lot of like a lot of people out there are, are thinking more about not just what the product is but but who are the people behind the product and what do they stand for so I think that's really important uh, kind of a call to action um, for people out there to, to think about that. Um, but yeah, so you know, if you haven't been to Arbiter before, like Garth said, get your buns in here, <laughs> check out the mural, and uh, have some loggers, have some some hazy IPAs, have some sours, have some, and and really enjoy. Come for actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a pro tip here, because I I like to frequent this place if you haven't noticed. But uh, come for the game night. If you come for the game night, bring games, bring friends. You get. Happy hour pricing, which is which you know. Hey, in this crazy time, mm-hmm. when uh, you know everything's really expensive, <laughs> have, saving a little money on your uh, liquid excitement—that's a that that's a win. So, um, gentlemen, I want to thank you for taking time out of your days. I know that you are all very busy, um, and we've talked about doing this for a long while. But I'm really happy uh, not only that we're here having this talk on the podcast, but I'm also happy to uh, consider you all friends. So thank you so much.
2: Likewise, Dan. I think June and I were racing to say the same thing. We <laughs> yep. can go back and forth, but uh, <laughs> you're such a beautiful human being in this community, too, that, I mean, everyone that knows you loves you. And you really like uplift this greater community. And uh, you don't have to be doing a podcast, but you do it for the love of it. And uh, we really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Dan.
0: Yeah. No problem. Well, cheers. Very well said,
1: Garth. Yeah, Dan, I been, I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you over the years. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: We've, so said, we've had some I, epic beer chats. We've, uh, oh. we very much so have. Yeah. So, it, uh, um, th- thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: the town hall story for. Uh, what was the town hall's twentieth anniversary?
0: Oh <laughs> no! It was the uh, it was we're this fall. 20, okay. Yes, 25th anniversary. 25 year anniversary. <laughs> so yeah, we got we got to talk about this. This is a funny one, because uh, I have so a number of years. No, like two years ago, I went with a group of people. They were Mug Club members, and they had enough points for like a private tour, and they invited me to go along. And it was kind of like right after Barrel Aged Week, and Mike was kind of doing a thing and he kept bringing out these like flight boards of the barrel aged barley wine and different versions of that and they're like oh i don't think we're going to have time for the tour of like oh bummer so at the twenty-fifth anniversary uh, thing, the night they had all the alumnus okay. back, uh, I'm like, Derek, can can I just like take a quick peek down and go down to the to the second little thing? And there's a bunch of other people down there having beers. And he's like, uh, Here's the cooler. He walks in. I, I get and it's uh, it's Aaron in the deep deep uh, in, guts the, of yeah, town the, in the yeah in the guts uh, of town hall. And the They're uh, like we open the, the door cooler. and I have this picture of Derek's face looking like. He's like, you know... (laughs) a dad came downstairs and the kids are having to sleep over and they're like lighting stuff on fire he's like what the yeah. hell and you guys are like <laughs> it's just it was such a funny right. a funny crap I beer forgot moment story that was gonna be yeah. just
1: a few moments ago yeah I was, I was showing uh i was personally showing um josh and garth around <laughs> and right. we were in the in the cask cooler which is about the farthest deepest place mm-hmm. in the cellar at town hall where you can possibly like dig your way down into and i was kind of showing them how the the cast system works and I, I think i was even standing like up on like oh a yeah you were on for
2: something <laughs> and, like i was pointing at something yeah. and
1: open here it opens the door and there's dan and we're all just like yeah <laughs> exactly like like yeah he, we
2: felt like we got
1: busted, busted. yeah Dude, it's it's like, like oh, geez. oh no
0: <laughs> oh no yeah that, that was a good one that was so. awesome you know that's uh, the minnesota craft beer scene is a wonderful place there's a lot of great connections and you know if, if you're not a part of it Come on into your local place. Maybe uh, hit up Arbiter and get to know the people. They're great people here. Um, so thanks again. This has been another episode, another on-location episode of a one-pint stand. Cheers. Thank you, Dan. With that, we are at the close of another episode of A One Pine Stand. I was so excited, and kind of a little bit nervous, to be honest with you, uh, to sit down with some of my favorite people in the craft beer scene. Not just the Minnesota craft beer scene. The craft beer scene. Juno Garth and Aaron opened their hearts... And they're tap lines to me as we talk beer, and I guess uh, it, I just wanted it to go so well, and I feel like the conversation was was as effortless as drinking ha-ha pills, so that was really cool. I hope that my love and appreciate uh, love and appreciation for Arbeiter came through in the interview. I truly adore that place, and so many of the people who make that brewery what it is uh, more than uh, many other episodes. This this particular episode, I think, really illustrates. Uh, why i love doing this podcast oftentimes uh, people ask me how much money i make (laughs) doing this podcast and uh, i've i've made the same amount of money i have uh, doing this podcast as i have in the nba which is zero um i tell them that i don't make any money doing the podcast The, the next question is invariably well why do you do it then isn't it a lot of work Uh, yeah it's a metric butt ton of work there's a lot of a lot of work that goes into it um but it's not about money um life is not about money obviously we need money for for you know to to get by but uh if you can invest your time into something that you believe in and you feel like you're putting some good out there in the universe uh it doesn't need to be about money. Um, happiness for me is meeting new people and connecting good energy with others. The joy I got from sitting down with Juno, Garth, and Aaron has more value to me than money. Uh, the laughs, smiles, and most of all their friendship means more. There's, there's no value you could possibly put on that. So I just want to thank them for 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 the wonderful beer chat. So this has been another episode of a One Pint Stand a Minnesota craft beer podcast where the pants stay on, but the caps come off. Cheers. Uh, we we better have a lot to say here. <laughs> Quite a lineup. <laughs> I'm to get a picture of this. No one's going to believe me that this happened. So
1: both Garth and Juno got up to get beers while I was babbling about beer, and uh, we have more beers than we know what to do with at the moment, so...
0: I mean, I have an idea of what we can do. Well, fair, fair. This is not my first rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't wear my comfy pants for nothing. (laughs) Giddy giddy up.